Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we've got one of my favorite races of the year to break down. But to give you the quick breakdown of what is in store for you in this episode, we're going to take a look back at Kansas, see how that race went on the track, how we did with our bets, and all the implications that came out of Sunday's race at Kansas Speedway. So then, We'll take a quick look at the standings to see where we're at because it is a cutoff race. Man, you can't make Bristol any better to, to go on top of the fact that it is a night race at Bristol. It's a cutoff race. So then we will get into the track a little bit, talk about why we like it so much and what to expect and how we're handicapping the race this week with our data set and then get to some picks. We'll, you know, preface everything that we're talking about here in the outright section, looking for a little bit more value, I guess. And, uh, well, this case, some bigger names pop up in some decent value areas. Then we'll get into some finishing position and some prop bets there towards the end of my segment. But then we are going to bring on a guest halfway through, and it's a first-time visitor to the podcast. We've got the man, the myth, the legend behind locks don't lie. We're not sure if we're getting Tony Betts or Tony NASCAR. You'll have to tune in to find out here later in this episode. But really happy to have a, just a content machine coming on. And uh, we're going to talk about what he's got going on right now. It's a busy season for him. And then break down Bristol. And we'll get in a little bit of a head-to-head face-off. The full tank face-off is back this week. So um, stay tuned for locks don't lie at the midpoint of the episode. So let's take a quick look back at Kansas, right? So Bubba Wallace is your winner. And I am not somebody who was smart enough to be calling out Bubba. I thought that this whole concept of running for owner's points was uh, a little confusing to me in a way. I was just like, you know, what's going on here? Uh, We knew that Kurt won this race earlier this season, but there was nothing in me that really thought Bubba, even after he qualified well, I was actually looking at ways to try to fade him. I didn't pull the trigger on anything like that because I was just a little too confused. Um, The fact that this was the race car that won the race earlier in the year was kind of sticking in my head and didn't really pull the trigger to fade him, thank God. Uh, but I was not on him like some people were. If you hit Twitter after the race, we had some people sharing their uh, tickets that they had on Bubba. I think we'll talk to someone later who was on Bubba this past weekend. So props to all of those people. I you know, really liked what I saw out of Bubba. I mean, running for owner's points, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of making some stuff try to seem relevant to you, I guess, if you're on that race team. But they clearly are taking it super seriously and and hats off to them. I mean, they went out, they performed well. This was not a fluke win, right? This was something that this team did their job, 
Bubba did his job on the track, and lo and behold, they come out victorious. So uh, good for them. It does not affect the playoffs whatsoever. We've got back-to-back non-playoff winners. That is crazy. I mean, we'll talk about the playoffs in just a second, but to have uh, that happen, that's the first time in history you know, we had a non-playoff driver win the first race. Well, holy cow, now we've got two in a row. That's baffling to me. It really changes the mindset, and this is a testament to the next-gen car. It has to be, right? Guys that are out of it, no, these guys are not giving up their spots on the track. They're not laying down like we've seen in the past. They are fighting back because they have the vehicles, they have the cars to do it. So it's cool to see. Now, how do we do with our bets? Um, We called out a few guys to win the race, and I did feel like I had dogs in the hunt here. So we called out Tyler Reddick, and he went out and put the car on the pole. All the guys that we called out to win the race, by the way, their odds shifted dramatically in, you know, away from, you know, the gambler. So they got a lot shorter, which was good, right? If you took them pre-qualifying, you were feeling pretty good. So Reddick was one of those guys we got at 1,200, and then he's going off as the favorite. So I was feeling really happy about that. Uh, but then, you know, he got into an incident there. Then Christopher Bell, we snagged at 10 to 1. He was a factor. I mean, he was there. He just didn't have that extra oomph that he needed to really keep himself in contention. He ended up getting passed. You know, everyone was trying to see if Christopher Bell would be able to track him down for the win. And there was a second there with maybe like 20 laps to go. I was following the ticker and he was gaining on him. And then I think he kind of used up everything trying to make up time because then all of a sudden Denny's passing him for second place. So that kind of put him out of the race. Uh, So those two guys, and then Larson, we called out as uh, someone we like to win the race. And he was there. He was kind of, you know, in and out of the top 10, ended up finishing, you know, well within the top 10. So uh, never really contended for the lead like we thought. So we'll talk more about Larson actually in a bit. So the outrights, obviously, you know, we didn't call out Bubba, but, you know, I really thought Reddick, if he didn't get caught up uh, with that tire incident, I mean, that was just shocking, right? So that, that sucked. Um, I'm going to talk about him along with somebody else in just a second. But some bets that we did hit, and obviously I didn't have a chance to talk about this in any capacity, uh, but live betting was big for me this weekend, and I think it's going to be big this week uh, at Bristol as well. But the matchups are popping up here and there, at least on DraftKings, as things that you can bet on. And we saw two that I jumped on. One was Denny Hamlin versus Kyle Busch when Denny was a little bit further back and he was an absolute monster underdog in this matchup. He was plus 205 when I snagged him against Kyle. And then obviously Kyle had his problems and Denny finished second. So that hit. And then the other one that I was really digging into late was another situation where I got Kyle Larson kind of doubling down on Kyle a little bit. Kyle versus Chase in a similar fashion. He was plus 145 against Chase, and they were pretty close to each other on the racetrack at that point. So I said, hey, I need something else here. My outrights aren't getting it done. I need a little bit more to, to go off of here, and that hit as well. So my live head-to-heads hit uh, really the first time I spent time doing that for the head-to-heads live. Uh, the other bet that hit for me, which I was very happy about, we talked about this on the podcast last week, and we'll probably talk about it again. It's the one-two finish. Now, if you're uh, really paying attention, the one-two-three finish actually hit, and I made a case to say that's going to be really tough. It 
has not happened at Kansas as far back as I could review. So uh, I was like, you know, maybe not take that because I didn't think the odds were good enough for that bet. But Toyota, we called them out as somebody who has been very good at Kansas. Their odds when I recorded were plus 400 on race day. They were plus 650. So called that out on a, a show that I went on. Thanks to Rye Cape. He's a friend of the program, guest on this podcast for Pocono this year, earlier, a couple of months ago. He invited me on to the weekly show that he is on for the Insider's Room, and it's such a cool show. I mean, if you're looking for some NASCAR content the day of a race, it's a quick hitter, 15 to 20 minutes just going over best bets. I was you know, thankful that they invited me on and really happy to talk to those guys. It was a really fun time because, you know, like I said, if you're looking for content, Man, there's a, we talked about nine picks just in a short amount of time. It was perfect, perfect to absorb that type of thing uh, just a few hours before the race. And one of the bets I was thankfully calling out was Toyota 1 2 plus 650 for the value there that you were getting. And well, lo and behold, that went out and hit. So happy that that hit, but uh, not as good as it could have been, you know, if maybe Reddick stayed in the race. I mean, we saw tire issues the first time around, and it really looked like it was going to be that same way just with the, the, other side, you know, the spring race was the left side tires, I believe, left side rear. And this time, at least for Reddick, I believe it was the right side tire. So they just couldn't seem to get it right. It looked like it was going to plague everybody at some point, but they kind of, I don't know, the other teams just changed something or what, but the tire issues seemed to calm down come stage three. Now, the other thing I was just absolutely sick about was Kevin Harvick. Because I had a lot of money invested in Harvick in a number of different ways, whether it was head-to-head matchups, top Ford, uh, top tens, parlayed with a, a couple of other things, you name it. I had him, you know, sprinkled with an outright as well. And uh, what happened with him? He got chastained. I mean, in my opinion, he got chastained. Ross making a, a weird move, you know, with three cars in the area. I don't know if you want to call it three wide or not, but. Uh, in any case, I think the butterfly effect ended Harvick's day and potentially ended his season. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It makes me sick to my stomach thinking about it. Um, so I'm hoping that Harvick can kind of rebound this weekend. So that is not the deciding factor. He's going to need to win the race. I mean, if anything, it puts him in a spot where he knows what he's got to do. He's got to go out and win the race. So sick to see about that. That one really hurt as far as the bets go. So um, you win some, you lose some. You had uh, some victories this past week at Kansas and uh, some that were tough to swallow. So looking at the playoff picture, I mentioned how Harvick is pretty far out of it. I think he's 36 points to the bad. I don't have the list right up in front of me, but the fun thing going into Bristol, is that we've got three drivers that are all well within the ability to sneak their way in to the top 12 because this is a cutoff race for Bristol. And it really comes down to like a six-guy shootout. Now, obviously, something can happen mid-race that puts somebody completely out of it, right? I mean, that is well within the ability uh, of Bristol to be able to cause drama. But just going into this race, we've got six guys that are in the window that three could drop out and three could make it. The three guys that are currently in, Ross Chastain is six points to the good. Tyler Reddick is two points to the good because of his disaster at Kansas. And then Austin Sindrick, also two points to the good. On the other side of the coin, we've got Kyle Busch. And of course, we're going to be talking about Kyle uh, later in this episode, a number of different ways, but he is currently on the outside looking in. That is shocking. Um, 
talking about Kyle briefly because of that, his odds, it's, it's really funny because one of the things that I wanted to do was look at championship odds, right? We've got Kevin Harvick way outside. His championship odds are like plus 8,000. So if you want to throw a flyer on somebody like that, it worked out for us. I'll always bring this up. If you're a loyal listener of the podcast for the last few years in 2020, we hit that type of bet at Martinsville with Chase Elliott, throwing the championship pick in on him, and it really worked out. So I'll never be someone who just disregards that type of bet. If you come to me and say, hey, I threw a little something on Harvick, more power to you. I'll join that. I'll sprinkle a little something on there. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a bet it and forget it type of deal until it actually comes back. But with Kyle, you know, getting back to the point I was trying to make, Kyle, if you look at Barstool, they have... Who can make the top four, your driver to make the top four, and his odds to make the top four are a little outside of the norm, plus 190. But I would expect a driver who is on the outside looking in at this moment to be, you know, a little bit uh, longer odds, excuse me. So that tells me that the sports books really think that. Kyle's just going to get it together and figure his way out here at Bristol. Um, the other two guys are Austin Dillon, who is three points back, and Chase Briscoe, nine points back. So those six guys are all going to be trying to figure out where each other are on the racetrack. Um, some of those guys have a chance to win uh, more so than others, and we'll talk about a couple of those as well. So a lot of people to talk about on this episode in various ways and um, just an interesting, you know, whether you're betting on this race or not, just having that six driver window makes this race exactly why NASCAR has the playoff set up the way that they are and also uh, Bristol being a cutoff race. So very fun stuff. I'm pumped for Bristol. Now the news of the day, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later with Tony from Locks Don't Lie, but Kyle Busch going to RCR. I mean, I I know I, I love talking about Silly Season, and a year ago, earlier this year, when I was on with Chris from the Flag Hunting Pod, we really broke down Silly Season, and we didn't really have this one on our bingo card. Um, very interesting move here for a number of different ways, because Looking back at the press conference, actually, speaking of Chris, I got a text from him like, dude, are you watching this press conference? I had to go back and re-look at things. I was just following via Twitter and Instagram updates and uh, went back and, and really looked at it because this is petty wars. Like this unbelievable amount of pettiness coming from RCR, and I fucking love it. I mean, I am here for it because what Toyota did with Reddick to RCR was so weird to me, struck me as so scummy. And I had said, point blank, I said it as soon as it happened, RCR cannot go into this season with Tyler Reddick as their driver. They just can't do it. They've got to figure out a way to boot him, just like, you know, uh, speaking of Petty, just like Petty did with Casey Kane back when he tried to pull the same type of deal, you know, a, a year, uh, a contract two years out. Um, and lo and behold, they go out, they find a disgruntled Toyota driver. 
Who knows what actually went down? I mean, Kyle Bush said that it was a lot to do with M&Ms. He said if M&Ms would stick around, I would still probably be in the 18 car next year. But he said from 2019 on, something's just been off about that team. So it's a fresh start. And a, a funny thing was Austin Dillon actually reached out to him to see, you know, hey, would you sit down and, and talk with uh, Richard to see if he can make that work? So here we are, and Richard Childress in the conversation was basically saying like, yeah, we wanted to hit back at Toyota for, for doing that. So, um, the big question for me is how's KBM for the truck series? You know, are they going to switch over to Chevy? It seems that way. It seems like there's some more shoes to drop in that area, but that definitely seems like where they're going. So KBM moving to Chevy as well. So a big hit for Toyota. Like I'm, I'm shocked, right? If you're RCR, this is huge. This is absolutely enormous to be able to, you know, take the punch, right? But you didn't get knocked out. And then you get back in the ring and go out and throw a haymaker. You're signing a Hall of Fame driver, love him or hate him. Kyle Busch is now in the eight car along with Austin Dillon. That just really brings legitimacy to that team again. They've performed well this year with Redick. And now you add Kyle to that program with Austin, who seems to be you know, hanging around, um, getting better in a way, I guess. I mean, Austin's kind of an enigma in a you know, sense, but overall, RCR is now stronger because they have Kyle Busch in their program. That's how I see it. Now, they're saying Tyler Reddick is going to be a third team. There's no way that happens. There's absolutely no way. This is a business strategy. They're basically saying to Toyota, hey, come and get them, but it's going to cost you. Buy me out, that type of deal. So, uh very, I mean, you know, it's my takeaway, you never want to mess with uh, Richard Childress. That's all I can tell. But um, huge news in the NASCAR world, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So Kyle Busch moving to the eight car, you know, that's uh, the news of the day and circulating around NASCAR. So let's transition to Bristol. It's why we're here. I mean, I am, if you can't tell in my voice, I am so hyped up for this Bristol night race. This race means so much to me. I, I love watching it. Who doesn't, right? I, I preach into the choir, I'm sure. But for me, this is a track where I've got a lot of friends that don't follow NASCAR. And Saturday nights, you know, whether it's, you know, at a party or something or at a buddy's house or you're somewhere at a bar, I always try to find a way to put this on. And it really does not disappoint. Like people are like, wow, you know, the most memorable situation was up until this year, um, coaching, helping out with the high school hockey team. We used to take the team up for training camp at Penn State University, where I went and played um, for a little bit. And we used to go out to, you know, and always fell on this weekend. So I'd always have the the guys that um, were fellow coaches. We would go out drinking after the training camp, you know, session of the day. The, the players are all in the hotel rooms or whatever in for the night. We would go out and it would always fall on Bristol night race. So I would have everybody watching the race while we were at the bar one year. And of course, that is what most NASCAR fans remember. It's when Tony Stewart threw the helmet at Matt Kenseth. And I had the entire bar 
non-NASCAR fans just losing their minds, cheering, loving every second of it. I still have people that I was with that day saying, like, dude, remember when that guy, Tony Stewart, he threw that helmet? Like, that's the type of memory that I love when you can find someone who's not a NASCAR fan and, and get them into it. And this track speaks to that. There's a lot of conversation, right, about crown jewel races, the, the majors. If you want to try to mimic what golf does or like tennis does, you know, and you put majors, uh, the emphasis on certain racetracks, I think a lot of people, myself included, would say the Bristol Night Race is a crown jewel event. If you're going to look at it, I would say it's the Daytona 500, the Southern 500, Coke 600, and Bristol Night Race. Those are my crown jewels. I don't think I'm too far off of what you know, most people would say, but I would also love to hear another one. If somebody had a, a track out there, a race out there that thought, you know, it would take over that spot, let me know. But this is uh, super exciting. I absolutely love it. And to make it a cutoff race, you know, is just even more fun. I think it used to end the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that was always cool. But this is just even better to have Daytona end the season with an anybody can win type of deal. Now you have a a more technical racetrack. I mean, it's a Thunderdome, basically. These guys are a mile and a half, but it's it's just crazy. So let's take a look at the track stats. I'll stop, you know, gleaming here. We've got 121 races to look back at at this track um, over the lifespan of the Cup Series. The winner has started on the pole 27 times. That's a lot. That really is a lot. So it's like one-sixth of the time. Um, Brad Kozlowski was the last one to do it in 2020. Hamlin also did it in 2019. The winner has started in the top five, 58% of the time and the top 10, 78% of the time. So that's important because of, you know, the starting position making such an impact on the winner. If you're looking to choose an outright now winner starting outside the top 20, it's only happened six times. And the last time was in 2016, Kevin Harvick. Now manufacturer trends. 2021 was the first win that Chevy had at this racetrack in nine races. Ford and Toyota kind of had a, a trade-off situation there, like two races here, two races there. Um, and it was all the way back a while ago when Chevy had won. And I think it was like Jimmy Johnson or Harvick and a Chevy at that point. Just, you know, crazy stuff. So uh, Larson snapped that streak for Chevy last time around which is funny because Chevy is currently going off as the favorite to win the race at plus 125. So that is the history there. And I think, you know, we're going to get into the, the strategy here, but um, the data set that I'm looking at as far as how to handicap this race, it's a unique track. There's one track out there that you might be able to comp to. It's kind of a secondary comp, according to Ryan from iFantasyRace.com, and it's Dover. So we'll touch on Dover here and there, but I'm not diving fully into Dover. Maybe you find some people that are into that, but uh, for me, I'm really just looking back at Bristol. So I'm looking at the last nine races at Bristol. Strange number, I know, but they had the all-star race here at one point, and um, I eliminated that, obviously, from my set. So I don't have the option to extend past that to get to 10. So we're going to keep it at the last nine races. So looking at average finish, driver rating, the typical stats that we usually get to. I am not including, rightfully so, anything to do with the last two dirt races at this track. That is completely useless to me. Uh, I can't imagine considering that. You're not going to find anybody that is really considering that whatsoever. It's a completely different race 
all together. Now, the one little caveat that I do like to look at for these types of events is the night race versus the day race, because there are a couple guys who shine a little bit more when the lights come out at Bristol. So I'm looking at the last five Bristol night races as well. A little touch on Dover, a little you know, situation there. So if you're looking at who the favorite is right now, it seems like a pretty decent consensus across most sports books. Denny Hamlin seems to be the favorite. He's going off anywhere from like plus 550 to plus 600. So that's why I'm saying that live betting is going to be important this week. I saw how important it was at Kansas last week, and I think it's going to be huge this week as well. So when we're talking about outright specifically, you can see that qualifying is really important. So it's kind of hard to you know predict that right now. So what you got to hope for is that you're calling out some guys in outrights that you know their value will get a little bit shorter after they qualify because then you feel like you really have a value pick on your hands and um, then you can maybe look at somebody else that stood out to you in qualifying. But that's what happened last week at Kansas. We called some guys out um, with a little bit longer odds and they were much shorter on race day. So um, looking for a little bit more value and then seeing you know how that unfolds as the week goes on with practice and qualifying and then as the race goes on because you might see someone you know, struggle a little bit to start, but it's a long race. So you might be able to get somebody like a Hamlin, right? If we're, obviously I like Denny Hamlin in this track. I'm not taking him on this podcast this week uh, because he's a little too short for me, plus 550. If he goes out, qualifies well, great. He'll either stay around that number or get a little bit shorter. But as the race unfolds, maybe he gets a little dinged up early and he drops back a little bit then that's a decent time. If he's lapped down or something, um, but he still has a, a stable car, that might be a little time to sprinkle a little something on a money line for somebody like him because he clearly has the ability to come back and get it done. So that's the strategy that I'm playing as far as the heavy, heavy favorites. Now, let's get into some of the picks that I have here. And my guy, Rory, Rory picks, he's going to love my first one here because it's Kyle Larson. I was shocked to see Kyle going off at plus 800. I thought he was going to be a little bit further up. The fact that he's not the favorite makes me really like this pick even more. And, you know, I think maybe it's because he's been good, but not great recently, like current form. I thought we were going to see a lot more from Kyle Larson last week at Kansas. I had a lot of data that was saying to me, Kyle Larson is the pick. All these different reasons he stands above everyone else, but he's really just kind of keeping himself in it. I loved what we saw of the comeback at Darlington, the fact that that team overcame that adversity, um, but you know, they clearly did not bounce back in a huge way at Kansas, they kind of just were there and they were able to score a top 10 and keep themselves, you know, well above the cutoff. Um, but at Bristol. I see uh, another opportunity. Obviously, you know, he's someone who, looking at the stats, he jumps out to you. So looking at the last nine races, he only has run seven races in that time span. He has one win, three top fives, six top tens. That makes it six for seven in top tens. That is an important number because you're not going to find a better percentage than that out of everyone in NASCAR. His average finish is 6.4. That is good enough for first in NASCAR. And, you know, if you need a little bit more of an edge here, he won the last time they came here and it was the night race a year ago. His driver rating, 115.3, just wild. 
right? Anytime you're seeing a driver rating above 100, that's impressive. But 115, that obviously is first in NASCAR. He has just been the cream of the crop at Bristol. And average laps led. I don't call this stat out quite a bit, but he has in his last seven races, he's averaging, averaging 103.7 laps led a race. That's wild. And he's got the best average starting position in NASCAR, 4.7. So what you're gathering from that information is that he's good at qualifying, keeping the car up front to start. He's able to get the car out front, get that clean air, and distance himself from the pack. And if you've got a vehicle that can do that, you know, that's the best possible situation, you know? So being able to adjust as well uh, to the changing track conditions, which, by the way, I actually just got a piece of information here about the tire setup. So I did not call that out when we're getting into the tracks. Uh, track stats there, but as I'm sitting here talking and refreshing my screen here, we do have the information about the tire codes this weekend. So a uh, little deviation here from our Larson pick, but this week at Bristol, we're going to use the same left side tires as Pocono, and they're using unique right side tires um, for this race at Bristol. So uh, a new right side tire. They are going to lay some PJ1 down on the track, and uh, that's going to give the drivers a little bit more options as far as which grooves to take and everything there. So that plays into my pick here with Kyle Larson. I think he's good at kind of finding the right groove. And as this long race goes on, the sun sets, the track is going to change, and it's going to be interesting to see who can make that happen? So the driver that has led the most average laps over seven races here seems to me like a pretty solid pick um, to win the race at eight to one. So if he was the favorite, if he was going off at like plus 550 or whatever, I might steer the other way. But I feel like if he qualifies well, like he has done 4.7 average starting position um, plus 800 is going to disappear pretty quick. So uh, Kyle Larson is the first pick for me as the outright winner at Bristol. Now I'm going with someone else who is at that same number and it's Kyle Busch. Now we talked about the intangibles a little bit ago, but uh, let's talk about it again. Big relief off of his shoulders, right? I mean, we've seen how this has completely morphed him into someone who is just, you know, a bad luck Brian situation on the racetrack. Hasn't had that many good finishes over the last few months, and it's clear that this was weighing on his mind, whether it was the JGR stuff, the M&M stuff, and then kind of figuring out, like, what's my next move? Um, we know what it is now, so that's gone. And the press conference today, he seemed generally happy, genuinely happy, I guess I should say. Um, easy for me to say. So that's important. Now, the first question that would come up would say like, well, what about the team, right? I mean, he's out. Why would the team be in on this? I'm not someone who says, you know, it's not worth betting on Kyle anymore because the team's just going to give up because he's leaving. That's not true. I mean, we that's doubtful. I don't think that that could possibly be the case because they're still competing for a championship. They still have a very good race team. I mean, look, last year at Xfinity, I think it was Daniel Hemrick that was already out the door and, and heading off to Colleague, and he was in the Final Four in a different team. So don't let that shift your opinion on whether or not this race team can get it done. I think they're all hoping that they can you know, add some 
good finishes here to their season. And if they can snag a ring, man, that would be just incredible. Good way to, to part ways for um, Kyle and JGR. So I'm not letting that get in my way. I think it's um, kind of a, a win-win situation. Like pressure off your back and everyone just kind of like, all right, looking at each other like this is it. You know what I mean? This is what we're here for now. We know what our situation is. There's, you know, It's all cut and dry. Now, let's look at his information here because in his last nine races, he's got three wins, which is the most in NASCAR in that time span, six top fives, six top tens. He's got an average finish of second. It's 9.9. Six top tens is tied for the most out of everyone in the last nine races, but six top fives? Man, of course, that is the most out of everyone in NASCAR. He finished second in 2020. Last year, he had a little bit of a fall off. He was eighth in green flag speed last year. Ended up 21st, um, a lap down, I believe. So looking at it, though, he's five of the last 10 races led over 100 laps. Wild stuff. 2016, he led 256 laps and then crashed and finished 39th. So if you're just looking at the final result, right, 39th, you're like, ugh, he didn't have it that year. Oh, no, he had it, right? And that kind of is a summary a little bit this year, right? He's been good, maybe not that good, 256 laps. That's absurd, especially when you realize he he crashed at lap like 315. So he led almost 100% of the laps that he was involved in and then ended up getting wrecked. So he will be a factor. He's second in drive rating. Give this to me all day, plus 800. He is someone that you always, I mean, for a while, throughout the you know 2010s, every time we came to Bristol, I mean, he swept all three series here at one point. Every time we came to Bristol, I was always betting on Kyle. So it's not stopping now just because he's switching teams. Eight to one, I like it. So now the last guy I'm calling out to win the race. Now we're getting a little bit more value, and I think this is probably going to turn some people off. Ryan Blaney, plus 1,500. Someone hearing that, knowing me, you know, if you're somebody who's listened to this, you're probably like, damn, Phil, get off the Ryan Blaney soapbox. You know what I mean? We don't need it. But I'm looking at the other Fords because I've got a Toyota Chevy so far. I'm looking to, you know, diversify my portfolio here and uh, call out a Ford. And there are some Fords with some shorter odds. Logano and Harvick, you know, they are definitely factors. And I will have stuff on them throughout this week. But if you're looking for the value play, I see value here with Ryan Blaney. In his last nine races, two top fives, five top tens in nine races. Now, his average finish, 17.3. That is is not something that, you know, is really fantastic. And that's probably why we're getting 1,500 odds here. But this is the thing, this is one of the reasons why I like doing this. If you're just looking at the last five night races, he is four for five top 10 finishes. So almost all of his Bristol top 10s have come at night. That's huge. His average finish, an enormous improvement when you go from, you know, all the nine races to just the night races, it moves from 17.3 to 8.8. That's fourth in NASCAR. Overall at Bristol, he has led 45 plus laps, five of the last seven races. Three times he led over a hundred laps. He's fourth in average starting position. So he should qualify well. That value, if he does qualify well, will go down. So you're going to want to find ways to take him, you know, plus 1500 to me, 
I think that that's the best you're going to get. I could be wrong. You know, knock on wood. That's me knocking on wood. But uh, I think that he'll go out and qualify top 10 and, you know, it'll probably dip to like 1,200 or even shorter. So um, I've actually already, I mean, this, this weekend, this Saturday is just an unbelievable sports Saturday. Um, I've actually already thrown in a parlay with Ryan Blaney in a top 10. He's plus 200 for a top 10, which he's four for five in night races. Uh, I've included that in uh, Penn State Moneyline versus Auburn and then the Tottenham Hotspurs in the Premier League. Uh, that got me to, to plus 253. So we'll see. You know, Penn State, I think, will be the toughest one to get out of all those. So uh, get creative. It's a great sports day. Move some things around. But uh, I like this money line pick this point of the week. And uh, we'll see what the rest of the week has in store for us after practice qualifying and as the race starts. So right now, the outrights that I have, Kyle Larson, 8-1, to Kyle Busch, 8-1, to and Ryan Blaney, plus 1,500. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Forget it, he's rolling. So next up in the finishing position area here, we're getting a little creative this week. And, you know, I'm calling out a couple bets here that I like this part of the week. But um, as the week unfolds, I would expect some other bets to sort of emerge. And I'll try to put those out there on Instagram um, and Twitter if I can. So Eric Jones is the first guy that I'm going to start with here in the top 10. So you can get him right now on DraftKings at plus 180. I would imagine if he's plus 180 on DraftKings when Barstool releases theirs, he'll be a little bit better odds for you as the gambler. But Eric Jones, he is someone who shows up all over the stat sheet for me. Now, the you know salt you got to take with this one is that most of those starts in the last nine races were with JGR. But in those nine races, four top fives, Five top tens. His average finish is sixth in NASCAR, 12.4. His drive rating is eighth in that time span. So right there, you got to say to yourself, wow, those are pretty good numbers. Now, in years past, you might say to yourself, those are great numbers, but he's just not in that type of vehicle anymore. But it's 2022, baby. Anything can happen as he has himself proven. Now, the night races get even better. Looking at Eric Jones, he's second in average finish in the night races. Kind of like what we're saying about Blaney. He just comes out at night and is able to adjust to the changing racetrack. And this is not somebody who I'm saying is going to be up front the whole time. He might be 17th. He might be 20th. You know, he might be a lap down at one point. Then all of a sudden, after a couple wrecks, he's back in the lead lap and he's fighting for that top 10. Um, He finished eighth last year in the 43 car. So that kind of dispels a little bit about, yeah, he's only good because he was in the JGR equipment. That right there should be a, well, look at that. 43 car got it done last year. 43 car got it done a couple weeks ago at Darlington, which was another night race. So he seems to just have that ability about him. I mean, he's won at Darlington a couple times now. Night races, Might just be a thing for Eric Jones. I'm pretty sure he won the Daytona night race. I could be wrong there. But uh, Eric Jones at plus 180 here seems like a pretty decent bet. I mean, five top tens in his last nine races. You're looking at a better than 50% situation there. And the fact that his driver rating improves at night at this track 
even better. And then digging back into his past, you know, to try to dispel the JGR stuff. When he was in that 77 car, he was second fiddle to Martin Truex Jr. at Furniture Row. He won the pole and finished second. And that was in his first year when he won the Rookie of the Year. So it doesn't really matter, it seems, what type of equipment he's in. He seems to like this track at night. So let's lock it in for Eric Jones at plus 180. Because if he goes out and qualifies well, which I don't think is a guarantee, but if he does, you know, I don't want to miss out on the plus money. So um, plus 180, Eric Jones, it's a number that I like and a driver that is doing pretty well right now. So um, I want to ride with him there in that 43 car. Now, the next bet that I'm going to call out here, I am seeing this available at Caesars Sportsbook, and this is a group bet that you kind of have to go a little bit further down the list on. But on nights like this, I love having bets on, I mean, I don't want to disrespect these guys, but dare I say back markers? I mean, they're not back markers. They're not the, the BJ McLeods, the meme bets. Um, but it's Chris Busher, and he's going off at plus 300 against Brad Kozlowski, A.J. Allmendinger, and Ricky Sandhouse Jr. Okay, they're not back markers. I don't know why I said that. But they are not guys who typically are going to be up front at Bristol contending for the victory. Um, I like having a bet like this with guys who most likely will be a few laps down at some point in the race. In fact, the reason I landed on Busher out of these guys was because looking at his numbers. Now, I'm taking Brad out of this for a second. We'll get to him. But his he's got the highest percentage of laps completed, 83%. Out of everyone in this group, Ricky and AJ, even in AJ's like small amount of time, you know, he can't uh, compete with that 83%. The other two guys are low 70%. So they are, I mean, AJ, man, he wrecked, I think, the first lap last year in this race. So uh, that's a killer to that percentage for sure. But, you know, Busher, if you're looking at it, he's one to three laps down in a lot of the races within the last six races or so. And his average finish is typically from 17th to 23rd um, in that time span. And I think that should be, you know, giving you a shot to win this bet. Because if, you know, if these guys run the way that they have in the past, like Ricky, he stands out to me. Every time we go to Bristol, I look to try to take him in some way, shape, or form. But recently, his numbers are just dismal here. He had a, a top 10 or a top 5 a little while back, but it seems to be a long time since then. He's had some 30th and plus finishes, a 40th along the way, high 20s um, in the more recent races for Ricky. AJ, you, you know, not really sure what you're getting with him, but you know, the percentages speak for themselves. And then you're looking at Brad. So it really comes down to you know who you think is going to finish ahead, Brad or Busher. And Brad is just someone that you're looking at in the season. He just doesn't have it. And we've gone to so many racetracks where we're like, wow, he's good here. Maybe he'll come alive. It's not happened. So Busher has done more with this same equipment than Brad has. So that's why I'm taking Busher here in this group bet plus 300. I think the value is pretty cool here for someone who, like I said, this is going to be an interesting bet to follow because they're going to be further down in the pack, battling for lucky dogs and that whole thing. I find that fun to follow. So uh, hopefully you agree with my pick here, but if you don't agree out of those guys, let me know who you would ride with uh, 
at this point in time in the week. Now, getting into some of the weekly specials, going back to DraftKings here, we talked about the 1-2 finish last week for Toyota. Right now, Chevy 1-2 is plus 400. I like that value, and I'll be anxious to see where it is after qualifying. We've got a lot of drivers to watch here in the Chevy camp. Uh, we called out Larson. Chase Elliott is another one. Tyler Reddick is somebody who didn't even touch on. He's fighting for playoff position, but definitely someone who could you know, win this race, you would think. He's higher up on the odds list here. So that is the reason why they are the favorite at plus 125 to win the race and plus 400 to finish 1-2. Now, if you're considering Dover a pretty good comp track, well, then this is another feather in the Chevy camp because that was a Chevy show at Dover. Hendrick, all of their guys, I think, finished in top six, maybe. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse was up there as well. So solid value here if you know Dover really does have anything to say for it uh, at plus 400. So Chevy won two. You know, if you wanted to sprinkle some, we talked last week about, you know, if you have three units and you spread them out amongst the three manufacturers, you take the one, two, if one, two finishes hit, you would in fact make some money on those bets. But um, this time around, I'm going to look at Chevy specifically and maybe throw a little bit more on them and single them out. Now, the last thing that I'll call out is a bet that we've talked about a lot throughout the summertime. We didn't talk about it last week, but the driver who wins the poll to win the race is plus 700 right now. And I think that that gives you uh, some good value there because there's a lot of drivers in and around that area. So if you take plus 700 and someone like a Tyler Reddick once again goes out and wins the poll, you saw what happened last week. He was plus 1,200 to win that race on a Wednesday, and then he won the poll and he was plus 500. So that could change drastically. So plus 700, you kind of get nice in the middle, the sweet spot here. And if anyone above that... Uh, first of all, you're getting someone like Denny Hamlin or uh, anybody you know at the top of the odds board that is below plus 700 automatically. You know, if they win the the poll, bam, you're locked into those guys. I love this bet, especially when you look at the fact that the winner has started on the poll in 2020 and 2019. It's solid value here. So this is another bet that I'll be taking. It hasn't hit in a little while, but I'm really feeling good about it this week at Bristol due to the you know more recent history and the fact that the winner has started from the poll 27 times. I, I don't remember in our track stats recently having that happen. So plus 700 for that driver. It gives you an extra guy in your camp, in your card, um, when qualifying takes place. And it makes qualifying more fun to cheer for, too, because you're looking for Guys that you don't want to fluke in qualifying, that's for sure. So, driver to win the poll, plus 700. Chevy won two, plus 400. Got Busher in a group bet over Brad, AJ, and Ricky Stenhouse, plus 300. And then I like Eric Jones this week, plus 180 right now. You might see him a little bit better value in a different sports book like Barstool or as the week goes on. So, let's lock these guys in and we'll see what happens this week. How much? $100? $200? Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock, No. So now we're at the point of the podcast where I am happy to bring on a guest, and it's a brand new guest for the first time. If you follow the Twitter account and YouTube channel for Locks Don't Lie, 
you know that you have been fully entertained this season. So I'm happy to bring on Tony from Locks Don't Lie to talk Bristol with us and also talk about everything that he has going on. It's going to be a fun conversation. So without further ado, here's Tony from Locks Don't Lie. We are now very thankful to bring on a first-time guest onto the podcast. If you follow the account Locks Don't Lie on Twitter and YouTube, you know Tony Betts, Tony NASCAR, get the the whole gang here tonight. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. It's uh, officially my first podcast I've ever been on, so uh, I appreciate the invite. It's, uh, It's pretty, pretty surreal. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate you, you know, making the time. I hit you up kind of last minute this week. And, um, you know, I know that we first got in contact on Derek Yoder's show on Wednesday night. You popped on um, on one of those episodes and, uh, you know, we had chatted afterwards. Um, been following you ever since. You are just a content machine. So we're going to get into, you know, what you've got going on. Um, but. I first just want to ask, you know, your NASCAR background, like, was it something that you were always a fan of growing up? Was it uh, something that you got into because of gambling? Like, I always like to know what people are, are kind of going behind when it comes to NASCAR. Yeah, I uh, I grew up a NASCAR fan uh, in my house. It was uh, NFL number one, NASCAR number two, definitely. Uh, me and my dad would just sit down and watch the races. Uh, my earliest memory in life probably is uh, that 2001 Daytona 500. That was literally the first race I watched like all the way through from drop of the green flag to checkered flag. Yeah, that was that was crazy. So I'm obviously a big Dale Jr. fan. My dad was a senior fan. So like I've grown up all my life just shifting from NFL. Boom. NASCAR starts right after the Super Bowl. So it's like <laughs> it's always kind of worked out how they kind of merge into each other. So. Uh, yeah, I kind of started to fall off. Definitely. I'd watch the races, but, uh, once Dale jr. Retired, but it was hard to, you know, enjoy them. And once I started getting into betting and learning betting, uh, that really kind of started to take back off my NASCAR love again. Yeah. It brings you back in. I I wasn't sure if you found a a different driver to follow or if it was just mostly who you had on that race, uh, after Dale jr. Retired. Um, I like to say I don't really have a favorite driver because no one will really pull at my heartstrings like Dale Jr. But Tyler Reddick has been working his way up there. Like, even if I don't bet on him, for some reason, I find myself enjoying him running up front. So I'm down. I would say Tyler Reddick's probably my favorite driver right now, but I'm definitely just cheering for whoever I bet on that week. Well, we'll put a pin in the Tyler Reddick because uh, he's loosely connected to the news of the day. So we'll, we'll get there. Um, but then, you know, you've obviously grown a, a love for gambling because you've started Locks Don't Lie. And the content that you put out, man, is super entertaining. I mean, the the video you posted for Daytona where, you know, you threw it to Tony NASCAR down in Daytona. Like yep. I was we were doing a, a live stream up in uh, downtown with Derek and, and those guys. And I was like, you guys got to look at this, man. This is <laughs> hilarious. Um, but then like. This past weekend, you're live streaming two days straight, nonstop, college football, NFL, through NASCAR. Tell us about Locks Don't Lie. How did you like make the decision to get into that and and kind of everything that you've gotten under that umbrella right now? Yeah, um, I started Locks Don't Lie at the end of June was my first video posted on YouTube. Um, and I really, 
I got into, I started sports gambling three years, four years ago. And I started tracking all my bets three years ago. And really that's kind of when I count my starting of gambling. Cause that's when I started like bankroll management and stuff like that. My first year was learning about gambling and stuff like that. You know, four years ago, my friends in discord before NFL season taught me about what the plus and what the minus meant in NFL spreads. And we just picked spreads for every single NFL game all year long. We had like a little contest in our discord. I ended up winning going like 59%. My friend was like, you have to actually start betting. So like, I kind of just looked at it and I, I put some money in an offshore. I live in Florida. So unfortunately I'm still bet on offshores. I don't get very good lines, but uh, yeah, I've been tracking my bets for the last three years. Um, and I have a, a pretty crazy record um, that I think it's under 500, but I like a lot of like long shots, you know um, I'm up over 450 units uh, in my three-year career. Um, wild. Yeah. I'm, yeah, my exact record is 2,991, 3,540, and 120. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty crazy. You know, I have that uh, Eric Jones 50 to 1 a couple of weeks ago that really helps that out. <laughs> um, well, let's let's talk about that. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll come back to the, the locks on live, but, like, you were on Jones, huge yep. hit. And then last week I saw the, the stream, you were on Bubba. Right. Like, yeah. Yep. Unbelievable. Like that's that, a, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm jumping all around a little bit, but I want to understand like the thought process, like how you landed on, on those guys and, and yeah. how you bought in on it, but huge hits. I mean, you're on fire right now. I'm catching Hopefully I'm not uh, I'm cooling you off a little bit coming on here, but yeah. um, <laughs> you know, hopefully you keep it going. No. Um, yeah. Really. What, what caught my eye, I kind of set it on the, uh, I have a weekend preview show that comes out of my channel every Friday at noon, where I kind of just highlight all of my bets for the weekend. Um, right now it's just NASCAR and NFL based. Then when NASCAR takes a break and stops, I can kind of incorporate some more college football or just more NFL games. But right now I kind of just have all the NASCAR races and then two NFL games that I like. But um, yeah, Eric Jones, uh, really what got me to him was just seeing him at 60 to one. There's always that one guy in the playoffs who wins, who isn't in the playoffs or who's just up there ruining someone who is in the playoffs, their race. And so, and, and that Jones boy, like his nickname was made at that track. So like in that car, I will crap on petty. Like I hate that organization, but <laughs> <laughs> like, but they haven't been trashed this year. They've been pretty good. And I'm excited for Noah to get there, but yeah. So that Jones boy, that's really all that was based off. That was that Jones boy. He loves Darlington. And I just, I got lucky. I was wrong that whole race until I was right when Kyle Bush blew up. So that was a very <laughs> stressful race. It was, it was not, you know, it ended well, but I was, I was wrong the whole race. Unlike last week at Kansas, where it felt like every driver, I, I had five outrights, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, uh, Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman. It felt like every driver who lost the lead lost it to another one of my outrights that I bet. So that that was a That's phenomenal feeling. Race. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so, and we're gonna get into a little bit more about like you know when we talk about Bristol coming up here, kind of what your your process is on a, a weekly basis. But um, so you, you mentioned you know you put your preview show out on Fridays. That's on YouTube. You're you're super active on uh, Twitter as well. Um, I guess like what's the best place for people to kind of follow you and, and, you know, the different cadence of, of things, is it every Friday or, or, you know, live streams, it seems like on the weekends, um, uh, like what's your weekly schedule with the, the content? Cause you have so much going on. Yeah. I got, uh, 
we got the preview show Friday at noon. I try to get it out. Um, and then Saturday all day, I'm streaming the college football card. They're, they're playing football for like 12 hours. So I get on at about 11 or yeah, about 1145 Eastern. And I, I get off about eight hours later. Um, wow. yeah, <laughs> if, if I got good seven 30, game action i didn't have it uh this week so it was only an eight hour stream only an eight hour stream (laughs) (laughs) week one in college football was a a 10 hour stream so you know i'll go all the way up until 10 o'clock if i have to um i just love getting those reactions i'm i'm very eccentric as you can tell and you know when when i know the camera's on i'll also you know put on a little flair for it (laughs) you gotta ham it up a little bit yeah Yeah, exactly so yeah you can every friday at noon preview show every saturday 11 45 uh live stream in college football and then every sunday at 12 45 going live for the entire sunday slate up until uh the end of the 4 30 games my gosh well that's incredible i mean we did uh our first live stream with like i said the derek and, and that crew but we did an hour, maybe two hours on uh, Saturday night when there was no race. And then about four hours on, during race day up until the, the rain delay. And that felt like a lot um, to do those stretches back to back days. My hat is off to you, man. Like that is really dedication. So um, props to you. So um, I guess looking forward then or, or kind of talking about right now in NASCAR um, news of the day. Kyle Busch. I mean, how can we, how can we sit here and and do a NASCAR podcast and not talk about what went down today with this press conference? So um, Kyle Busch moving to RCR. Um, I, you know, I don't know what to say more so than what's been already like kind of documented with uh, you know, Jordan Bianchi and all the reactions on Twitter. Just what's your gut reaction when you first heard it? Did you get a chance to take a peek at the press conference today? Any thoughts on what you saw go down? Yeah, I uh, I got a chance to tune into the press conference. Literally, like clicked on the press conference, and he was like, "I'm taking my talents to Richard <laughs> Childress." So it was it was kind of crazy. I tuned in at the perfect time. So um, yeah, I I don't know. I'd kind of been. I feel like if you're we're keeping up with this, there have been tea leaves about this for a long time. Like for the last month and a half, like it kind of been hinted that he was going to the eight car. So my biggest surprise is that they're not is that they're making it a three car team and they're not kicking Tyler Reddick just to the curb. I thought that was the plan. Um, and then he was just going to hop in the 40 Kurt would retire. He would just hop in the 45 early Ty Gibbs gets in the 18. That was my prediction for the whole thing, but looks like they're going to be a three car organization. So what do you think? Well, so um, I, I recorded like my half of the podcast where I talked about like my, you know, personal outrights and everything like that. And I touched on the, the Kyle Bush thought um, knowing that we were going to, you know, talk about this, the two of us, but um, I personally feel like the three car camp is a bluff. Uh, Richard Childress is out for blood. He clearly is, is, you know, they poached his guy. So he's poaching their guy. And now he's holding this, you know, Tyler Reddick hostage, uh, basically looking to be bought out. He wants them to pay up. And, you know, Denny Hamlin tweeted something actually I saw um, before I came on talking about it was kind of like a snarky thing to Kyle Bush uh, saying like, this couldn't have happened at a better time. So I think that they are going to kind of buy out his contract. He'll swing over. Kurt's probably done at least, you know, because of his uh, injury, probably done. I I think he'll just jump over and they'll buy it out. It'll still be a two car shop at RCR. That's my prediction. I just think Richard Childress is just, you know, like I said, he's 
playing petty wars and winning because he's <laughs> feeling uh, pretty upset with the way things went down. You know, he, he made reference of it a few times in the press conference. Like he's acting yeah, kind of like a bit salty. of a spoiled brat. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Do you think I'm off my rocker with that one? No, I mean, I, I like that. That's not something um, I, th- I thought about, but that's right. When you said it, I mean, that's, that's very positive. I mean, Michael Jordan's got the money to, to buy him. You know what I mean? Like, the, I, I don't think, I don't think the money is the problem. It's just finding the buyout price um, on a, on the same topic of RCR uh, kind of a different topic though. Do you think Richard is selling that team soon? I've heard a lot of people or I've just heard some people Dale Jr. is trying to get into the Cup Series, and charters are super expensive now with new TV deals. And some conspiracy theorists are thinking that he just might buy RCR uh, to kind of get the Cup charter himself. I don't know if you've heard that. I don't know if you saw that. I've kind of seen him hinting about it sometimes on his podcast, but I don't know if there's really any traction with that now. So I like to think that I, you know, am fully invested into the silly season stuff i like to think that i know what i'm doing i feel like uh charlie from always sunny with the you know that meme with the diagrams but um i have not heard that specifically now you saying that rings bells off in my head because uh you know dale jr did tweet out bush to the eight car like a week ago and so the fact that he's even able to like do that not get in any sort of trouble like he's clearly involved with them in some way so maybe it's not like a full buyout situation but maybe he's going to be like a part owner sort of deal they merge um i think that would make a lot of you know dale senior fans happy in a way um to kind of bring that back together so uh it wouldn't surprise me i had not heard that like spelled out the way that you just said it until just now so uh it'll definitely be something that i'm kind of keeping in the uh back of my mind because you might be onto something there i i don't know how that would shake out though you know what i mean yeah like, neither I'd do have i to and, do the math yeah and i i just know that I, I just have heard that dale jr has been inquiring on getting a charter for the yeah. cup series and because the tv deals are coming to an end they're just either so expensive or they're just he's not going to get in until a tv deal comes in so then he can they know the price that they're going to charge him and that price is just going to be so expensive it might yes. not be worth it for him so he'd rather just buy a whole shop and exactly like he might whether just even like you said partner with richard childress you know yeah. make it maybe even like a four car team like another hendrick and just well, you know that- go off I'm in on that, <laughs> dude. Like that would be very because the more now, not that we need more super teams, but because uh, I think the smaller teams have proven this year that they can yeah. put up a fight with this new car. But um, the more competitive cars, the better. Like yeah. that, that's really how it is. So it's been awesome this year watching like 18 cars. Like you come to the track and like even though you kind of know you're like four or five, there's still like 18 cars that can legitimately like have speed to win the race. Yeah, there have been times like last week, like Michael McDowell is running yeah. in the top 10 consistently. <laughs> I don't know if he yes. gets the finish every time he's in there, but he's up there. Like there are yeah. guys that you never would have thought. Um to, to wrap up the RCR conversation, you mentioned you're a fan of Reddick in a way. Um what I was trying to like put my head around was you know the gambling element to this decision so i want you to just like picture 2023 the eight car season win total on the eight car with tyler reddick two and a half is it over or under with tyler reddick and then the same 
question for Kyle Busch. Like, do you think that that car will be better next year from a gambler's perspective uh, with Kyle than Tyler, or do you think it's pretty much even? So over under two and a half, eight car Tyler, same question for Kyle Busch. Um, I'll go over for both. Okay. And that's just because that's just because I think, I think this was kind of like Tyler's like, uh, like he didn't have like the long drawn out streak that Chase Elliott does, but everybody, when they first come into the cup series, they, they knock on the door before they win. And so like, this was kind of his season of just like second place, second place, third place fourth like should have won, should have won. And then finally get the win at the road course. And then that kind of took the monkey off his back, rattle off another one. So like, I feel like now that he's gotten those wins, he's going to rattle off more that eight car has, I mean, they've shown speed this year. So, like, yes, no matter. I don't know what difference in the car that Austin Dillon is getting from Tyler Reddick, but in my personal, I would figure that Austin Dillon would be getting the number one car out of the camp. So, the fact that Tyler Reddick is just running up front, I mean, probably not now with the playoffs, but like all season, like, I mean, that's got to be Austin Dillon's team, kind of. And so, <laughs> I mean, well, so I have a, a, a funny thing. I'm going to put myself out there to be made fun of. People, People kind of know I've uh, been chirped a little bit that uh, my wife and I watch the Life in the Fast Lane show. Yep. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I've been watching this show and it kind of stops like midsummer. Um, but the first half of the season, I'm watching, they show a lot of the racing. And I'm like, holy shit, like he was second there and then got spun out. He was sixth, got spun out. He was 10th and got wrecked on the last lap. Like he has had horrible luck this year and a really good race car. So like I'm, I'm watching this like replay of everything. Like was I like totally blind to the fact that like Austin Dillon has had an actually like good season or a good vehicle. Like he's just terrible luck. Like a lot yeah. of these times it's just terrible luck. Um, so you're still right. Like Reddick has been a factor. Dylan has been like a top 10 factor. Uh, but I, you know, I was just kind of, I wanted to throw that out there. Like he hasn't been a total schlub uh, with the cars that they've been giving him. Now I found it interesting to say today that Austin was a big part of Kyle joining the team. And like, if you're Austin that you're basically saying like, here's the keys to the kingdom. Like, you know, you're the man, you're the hall of fame, yeah. like take over. So maybe wow. Austin needs that a little bit. Like I can't be the quarterback here. You know what I mean? I can't have all the eyes on me. Like let, let that happen. I found that super interesting when Kyle kind of broke that down, but um, yeah, I don't know where to go with that one, but uh, <laughs> Austin, not as bad as we maybe yeah, remember. No, yeah. I gotta, I gotta relook at relook at Austin <laughs> Dillon then because I know that car has been good and you have seen him in the top 10. It's just seems like, for some reason, he's just not, you like you said, terrible luck just getting yeah. spun out of second place. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of happy that he won Daytona just to sneak in because, you know, he's only three points back. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll transition here to kind of the, the week ahead um, and talk about these guys. But uh, I want to ask you, I mean, it seems like your season's going well from a gambling perspective. We talked about the last two races. You had some pretty big outright hits. Um, what's your process like? you know, on a weekly basis, uh, what do you kind of do to actually get in and, and start handicapping these things? Like what's your, your process like to actually make some of these picks and, and find things that you like to put out there for people to absorb. So instantly 
um, with, I like to look at the last races, like the last races at the track. And so with the next gen car, it's been, if we get a repeat race at the track, otherwise, you know, it's been kind of hard to strictly base it off of the last race, but, uh, I've really been, uh, what I look at is last race. And then any races that were run on like low down forces on tracks that were alike. And so I'm heavily on driveraverages.com and I am just <laughs> driver rating is big to me. Um, I'm not exactly sure how it's measured still, but, um, and maybe if someone educates me, that'd be awesome. But I do know <laughs> that when I'm basing a lot of my picks off of these driver ratings, they've been hitting a lot this year. So I go to driver rating and then I love, um, shout out Ryan at ifantasyrace.com. I love that we website. Love I love, love that website and um, he is, he's freaking awesome. And the, the stuff that he posts is great. Great. I look at green flag speed and especially late in run speed because NASCAR is about green flag runs late in runs. It comes down to green, white checkers a lot NASCAR overtimes, but I want my driver to be quick as the run goes on late in tires, because that's when you'll, you'll, that's where you get your best drivers. Great stuff feel the same way. Um, both those sites are, are fantastic and, and Ryan does a great job. He, he came on and joined us uh, similar uh, to you on the Wednesday night show with Derek that he hosts. And uh, it was really cool to hear from him. He, he said it's the first time he was, you know, kind of speaking like that publicly in a while. And uh, it was cool to, to kind of hear him and, and the amount of information he puts out is like, you know, crazy that yeah. all of us are kind of using the same yep. uh, site to give us like a foundation of what we want to use moving forward. And we all kind of find different, you know, edges or people that we like uh, based off of that same information. So it's really cool to, to kind of have that to go off of. Um, so with Bristol, I guess for me, I was looking at the last nine races at Bristol as like a data set, average finish driver rating, um, like you said. Do you, you know, it's a unique track, according to Ryan. He mentioned Dover as a secondary track. Do you care at all about Dover when you're um, looking? Because they're, you know, with Bristol dirt, you don't have anything to go off of from the beginning of the year. What's your thoughts on Bristol and how to kind of gather a, a data set on that? Yeah, I mean, Dover is pretty similar, but it's also pretty different but <laughs> I, I i mean i like i like going a little bit off dover just because i mean it's another it's another couple races in the next gen car and any more any more races that you can get under your belt when you're looking at the next gen car i think i think is worth it okay all right good yeah i mean chevy was obviously pretty good at dover so that kind of you know leans us into early early leans not asking you to make any like outright picks yet it's it's super early in the week we're recording this on a tuesday night um but anything that you're seeing out there from you know a manufacturer like a, a chevy toyota ford lean or any drivers that you want to see you know perform maybe oh and that, that's the other question i mean how do many outrights do you place before and after qualifying like is qualifying and practice something that you need to see before you place a bet or do you, you know, try to score a little bit better odds beforehand on guys that you really like? Uh, it's not something I need to see. I can kind of look at the odds, know the driver kind of, um, like I said, you know, been watching NASCAR for a long time. So just like yourself, I'm sure you kind of, kind of understand how a lot of these things go. So, um, you can kind of look at the odds and see, I like taking a lot of long shots 
early in the week before practice and qualifying, hoping to get a little bit better value. Um, I try to stay to two or three before practice and qualifying unless I'm just super confident on the week. And I know no matter what I see in practice and qualifying, I'm just going to stick with those drivers like last week. But otherwise, I like to stick to two or three. And so then I can come over the top because practice and qualifying to me is very important. Like that's when you get to see the cars out there make their 10 lap run. I like to look at five lap, 10 lap averages. You get a short track like last week, you could get 30 lap. I mean, Tyler Reddick leading all those averages. That was crazy. So yeah. I love practice and qualifying to, to base my races off of, but it's not everything. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel similar way. Um, and, and last week for me, I was feeling like this is the week. I mean, obviously, you know, Bubba's value, what was it? Six to one, seven to one that you hit uh, last week. Um, or excuse me, 60 to one. Uh, I think you said Bubba was, uh, um, uh, no, 18. Oh, 18 to one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. Eric, okay. Eric, Eric Jones, was Eric 60. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think I might've seen a bad line out there for top Toyota. That was like 70 to one. Yeah. No, um, I saw somebody score like a 70 to one Bubba yeah, to win ticket. I think that might've been yeah. on DraftKings or, or somebody. Yep. somebody yep, got I saw caught. that DraftKings ticket. They got, they put a lot of money on that. They went like a thousand <laughs> bucks off it. I was like, dude, good for you. I, yeah. I got 70 to one. The, the problem is when you hit one of those bad lines, I think they block your account pretty quick. So it's like, do Ooh. you really, if you're going to hit it, you better hit it while you Big. can. <laughs> yeah. um, Cause I, you know, I really like DraftKings. So it'd be tough for me not to use them. Yeah. Um, that's true. But last week, what I was going to say was, you know, you mentioned Bowman, right? I was on Bowman as well. Top 10 sprinkled a, a 35 to one before practice and qualifying and men, like the guys that I bet on all got shorter. And I was like, this is it, man, this is yep. the week. And, you know, bubble comes and, and steals a show, but um, that's, that's my mentality is like, I try to bet on guys that I think the value might go down on before, or excuse me, after practice and qualifying. And um, then you're sitting on a better ticket. So um, with Bristol this week, I guess, um, I will, you know, I, I talked about Brian Blaney as someone that is in that category to me. Want to bounce that off you because he's pretty polarizing, I think, at this point in the season. I was pretty high on him. I have a championship bet on him from before the season started. And it's kind of let me down a little bit, but he was 15 to one when I placed the bet. Um, I believe he's still at that number. What are your thoughts on that? Like just kind of spit on. Um think that that's a, a decent bet pre-qualifying or uh, might've jumped the gun. I, I love Ryan Blaney as well. I got a championship future on him. I got half a unit to win five units. So that looks like, I think that's what plus 500 plus a thousand. Yeah. Plus a thousand. I bet that on April 8th. So yeah, I, I like Blaney too. I mean, I, the reason I bet that at that time, it rings a bell now is because he was the fastest car all year and he just could not get a win. And it was apparent in April and he kind of fell off during the summer stretch a little bit, but he was so quick earlier in the year. So I do, I love that pick because he's good. If you watch the last race, um, I watched the last race earlier today, he was running up front all, all race. So uh, near the top 10, near the top five, I think he's going to qualify up there. He's been running better since the chase started. I mean, he's in fifth right now, 36 points above the cut line. I mean, anything can happen in these things. This is these points are absolutely insane. The way that people who gained a cushion just completely lost it in the first two races. It's wild. Absolutely wild. NASCAR is getting their money's worth for this whole format. Uh, the way that they put it together. Cause I mean, Bristol's creating drama. Like I, I don't remember yep. a cutoff race that's had three drivers like 
outside the window that are very possibly, you know, could be in like there could be a full swap of like six drivers just switching spots. Um, So I guess other than Harvick, because he's winning, he's a a need to win situation who below the cut line, you know, we got Bush two points back, Dylan three points back and, um, and then Briscoe nine points back who, you know, it might be a silly question, but who do you believe in most of those three and, and who you taking down uh, to, to miss the cut if uh, one of those guys make it? Well, I think we all kind of. Yeah, I'm leading, kind of I'm leading the, the witness. <laughs> yeah, kind of see the writing on the wall here, Kyle Bush. I mean, he's an absolute dog at Bristol. Got that. I mean, they keep playing it and they, they put it on every single one of his promos for this announcement. You know, that that triple weekend sweep that he did at Bristol. I mean, the dude, I mean, the dude's a dog. So like, I think he's going to be up front. He's one of the favorites this week and Cindric's no slouch, but it just seems like that car just doesn't have, I don't know. It's just something's not there with that car this year. So I can see Cindric bumping out, but I honestly like, I mean, this is Bristol. Like this could be a crazy race. Chase could get back at Kyle and say, screw the teammate thing. You remember uh, Watkins Glen, he kept bringing up Bristol. Like, I mean, Suarez is only six points ahead. I'm not sure he's that great of a short track racer. That's kind of the races where he's running mid pack. So like if he doesn't have the best race or gets into a run in with somebody like Justin Haley running in 14th or something like that might turn into an issue. Like I, and I don't know if this is statistically true, but this is the first time I can remember in this playoff format that we're going into a round one elimination race and no one has won. Yeah, it has like not that's happened. in the playoffs. Okay. It has not happened. That, Before so, this, there hasn't been a non-playoff driver that has won a round of 16 or whatever the hell we're in, 16. So this is unprecedented, the fact yeah. that no one's locked in uh, via a win. I, so looking at the points, I think Christopher Bell is locked in, but is is William Byron as well? Is it the top three that are locked in? At, um, oh, I don't know who's Bristol locked in or? on the points. Yeah, no, I was just saying nobody won. And yeah, yeah, their yeah. way through, but I, yeah, I don't know who else is locked in other than uh, you, you said Bell is locked in. I didn't realize Bell, Bell's 58 points about, oh, yeah, he's, he's, so he's, I feel he's, like, and then Byron's 48 and Denny Hamlin is 47. So I think you can't get that amount of, or you can't lose that amount of, points. yeah, I'd imagine that they're, they're so safe. Logano is 40. They only field like, are they fielding 40 cards in the cup series or is it 36 now? I believe it's 30. If it's anything, it's 38. It's not 40. 38. It's um, not 40. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's probably safe. Yeah, I think you know, Blaney's he, the first guy on the bubble there in fifth then. Okay. He, I mean, because he could easily get dumped and finish in last. It has happened um, <laughs> to him. But uh, but I don't think that will happen. I love Blaney at 15 to 1 at DraftKings pre-practice yeah. too. So All right. Um, very good. So there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you, but I lost it. We'll, we'll bring it back. Um, we'll get into the, the, the face-off here with the head-to-head matchups. Um, and we'll, we'll, to explain what this is in case anybody out there is listening for the first time, uh, this is just us talking about different matchups that we found out there. I believe mostly they're from DraftKings. DraftKings was pretty fast this week to get their stuff out there. So what we're going to do is, um, we're going to break down three matchups. Now talking with Tony beforehand, I'm going to go twice. Um, always leave that up to the guests, see what they want to do. And, uh, I've, you've, I've actually struggled going twice, so you might be in good shape here, but, uh, I'm going to go first, choose a matchup. I'll let you know who I'm taking and why. And then from that, 
we'll turn it over to turn it over to Tony. CB has any defense of the guy that I'm giving him, and then uh, he'll go. Basically, at the end of the day, we're going to come out with three matchups, uh, head-to-heads, best of three series, essentially, and uh, on race day, we'll see who comes out victorious um, and wins the full-tank face-off. So, uh, does that make sense to you before we, we get into it here? It does. I'm ready to go. All right. So, let's break it down because I've been jocking this guy all damn day, and I might as well just you know go for it here. The first matchup, I'm actually giving you the favorite in this matchup. Um, two guys below the cut line, Austin Dillon, I'm taking him plus 100. I really like Austin plus 100, um, in this matchup, but also like for anyone out there who's just listening and you're looking for, you know, a decent bet. I think this bet is actually worth your time looking into by itself. Like forget about what, you know, Tony and I are doing right now. This bet is significant to me. So Austin is, and the reason it's significant is because he's plus 180 to finish in the top 10. Now, I don't like that, right? I wanted something on Dylan. And when I see that he's plus 100 against Briscoe, you're telling me all he has to do is beat one other guy. The value isn't really that different. Now, if you're looking at Dylan's stats here, last nine races, he has one top 10. That's why you're like, eh, you know, not really a good top 10 number at plus 180, but he's got seven top 15 finishes. So one top 10, but seven top 15 finishes. That's telling me that he's going to finish, you know, unless there's an act of God situation in there, he's going to finish 11 to 15th. And I think, from my opinion, that's good enough to beat Chase Briscoe. Um, Briscoe, I think, finished like 14th or 15th here or 13th last year. It was his only uh, race at the, the regular Bristol track in the Cup Series. So, Clearly, you know, he's one for one top 15s. Dylan has a track record of getting that done. Um, they're going to be around each other all race. They're going to be worried about where each other is in points all race. Um, so I'm going with the consistency here in this matchup. I think Dylan is scary to everyone else because he shouldn't be there, according to, you know, most people's mindset, winning that last, you know, walk off race. If he win, if he gets in this race, he's only three points back. We've got Texas coming up. He could steal Texas, and then holy shit, the three cars in the round of eight. Like then somebody good is getting bounced. So Dylan plus one hundred. I I really think that this is a, a good bet by itself, but this matchup is how I'm going to kick it off. So uh, what do you think about that pick and any defensive uh, Briscoe here? Man, I. I mean, you got me with that one, you know, I, <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I, I like Austin Dillon against Briscoe this week. So um, let, I mean, Briscoe. He, yeah. I like Briscoe. He was, you know, him and those battles, him and Austin Cindric had in the Xfinity series were some of the greatest battles I've seen in that series ever. So I, I think Briscoe's a talent, but it doesn't seem like that car is there this year. And like we were talking about earlier, that, three car has been there this year so if he can get some good luck i think you know he might be due for some good luck like you were hinting at so (laughs) i think i might be in for one here with this one (laughs) well it's funny that the the odds are that way as well like plus 100 i would think maybe even one minus 110 Mm -hmm. a piece you know what i mean but that's what really got me like looking into that and then digging in uh i'm fine taking that you know in and of itself so um, I will turn it over to you for the second matchup here. All right. Uh, well, I guess we'll stick with a the theme. I am um, 
also taking the underdog in this matchup. Okay. And uh, I like Kyle Larson minus 105 versus Chase Elliott minus 115. Um, if you go back and look at the three Bristol night rate, the last three Bristol night races, Kyle Larson is two and one head to head against Chase Elliott. And that one loss, he finished right behind him. Um, beat him in 2021. Chase did have terrible luck in that race. I think he got a speeding penalty early and then he was just right coming from the back all race. Um, finished right behind him, like I said, in 2019, uh, sixth to Chase's fifth. And then he finished ahead of him in the 2018 night race. So Kyle Larson, who I think is the better talent, who I think is the better. He loves riding up against that wall and he'll, he'll get it going. And to be, to be the quickest at Bristol, you can really ride it up there. So I like Kyle Larson at minus one Oh five. I don't disagree. Um, before you hopped on going through my outrights, Kyle Larson, I saw him eight to one. I, I, I needed a jump on eight to one for Kyle Larson. Um, for all the reasons that you said and more Kyle, you know, he's just got it going on his stats jump off the page. Gee, I love how you're talking about the night races. That's actually something that I looked into as well. I love, you know, when we go to tracks that are day and night, um, on a yearly basis, I love looking at, you know, okay, well, Kyle is great. You know, in the last nine races at Bristol total, he's fastest or best average finish 6.4, but in the last five night races, he's actually even better uh, 4.5 average finish in the last five night races. So he, he shines uh, when the lights are on. So I, I love the pick. I don't hate it. If I'm going to try to defend uh, my guy here, which is chase Elliott. Um, I, I guess it would be a little bit more of a knock on Larson because I've been on Larson recently. He's been good, not great. I think that's what I said earlier. I was all over him last week for Kansas. I thought last week at Kansas was going to be his, you know, domination. And it just wasn't like he was just kind of there and, and, you know, found his way into a top 10 in a good race, but not the Kyle that I thought he was going to be. So I guess if I'm going to win this battle here, it's going to be because Chase, who has led, a ton of laps here at Bristol, like sneaky laps. If you're looking at his, you know, statistics, Elliot's not jumping off the page at you. Like Larson is he's eighth and average finish uh, fifth and driver rating. So that's telling you he's not getting the finishes that he maybe should deserve. Um, but you know, the hope if I have chase here is that Larson just really kind of doesn't show up and, and chase has been so consistent throughout this whole year he could be running 19th stage two. And then all of a sudden he's sneaking into the top six, top five, you know, mm -hmm. the end of the race. So that's the hope there, but I think you made the right call. And again, why is he the underdog? That's two underdogs now. Very, very strange. Yeah. I, I thought those odds should be flipped in my opinion. So, I mean, I think they should be close, but I, I think Larson should be the minus minus one fifteen. All right. Well, I am in agreement, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens on the track. And then uh, the last matchup that I have here. So I didn't write out a ton of notes for this one because I wasn't sure. Sometimes, uh, you know, the guest steals the matchup that I have. So I didn't want to, you know, write anything out. But I, I did have one circled and I'm kind of coming up with the reasoning for it on the fly here. And it's Joey Logano versus Ross Chesting. Um, so Logano, just some, some quick hitter information here in his last nine races, three top fives. That's 
you know, 33% shot there for a top five, four top tens. He's eight for nine, finishing the top 20. And I think at a racetrack like this, where shit can get out of hand, you know, it's either going to be people minding their P's and Q's and it'll be kind of a quote unquote boring race, or it's going to get crazy. And this has happened where things have gotten crazy. Uh, so eight for nine, top 20, eh, that's telling you, you can keep your car on the track and, and get it done. Speaking of not potentially keeping your car on the track, Ross Chastain <laughs> has made so many enemies at a mile and a half racetrack cut off race. If there was revenge to act out, this is the racetrack. He's going to, it's such a long race. He's going to, maybe he's going to piss somebody off that he hasn't even done that to before. Exactly. Yeah. And it could go the wrong way. Cause they're just like, eh, you know what? This guy just totally sucks. Like throw him into the wall. So um, there's not much of a book on Chastain as well. He's super hot to start the year kind of faded right around when people started to, you know, pull him into check. Um, and he's kind of just been a, I don't know, a little bit of a lame, lame duck guy over the last few races. Like he was solid last week. Again, sort of like what I was saying about Larson, like top 10, not too shabby, not good, not great, not showing the speed that he had earlier in the year. So Logano on the other side, I think he's going the other way. I think Logano is putting together good resume builders to say, Hey, I could be somebody you could uh, put your money on to win the championship, which I have done um, a couple weeks ago. So, uh, Logano over Chastain. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to go off of from Chastain at Bristol. I mean, you look at his uh, you look at his only five Bristol races in the Cup Series. Four of them are with Premium Motorsports and the 15 cars. <laughs> shit boxes, so, shit boxes. Yeah, exactly. It's out there was, for our guy Rory. Yeah. He was in the shit box special for sure. So, and then his one race in the Chip Ganassi 42, he finished 14th. So, and I'm sure he pissed somebody off in that race. But <laughs> like I said, I said in my preview show uh, that's coming out on Friday, um, I have been nervous for this race since the playoffs started. I bet on Ross Chastain to win the title preseason plus 3,600. Wow. Preseason? Preseason. Hell of a um, bet. Hell of a bet. My, my thought process behind that was um, NASCAR has been like pushing this new team track house and like they, they've been pushing themselves as like being a legit team. So I was like, all right, if you're going to be a legit team, like new car, this is the year that a new team can actually be legit. So I didn't think he was going to come in as one of the favorites. My hope was that he snuck in with one win at like a Daytona or something. And then I was like, all right, I snuck into the playoffs. I got good value on the 3,600, but he ends up at what he opened the playoffs at plus 800. So yeah, that that's my best one. So I love Ross Chastain, but I've been nervous for this race all playoffs just because of the amount of enemies he's made all year. And I've, Everybody has called out this race as the one that he's going to get his just due. So I have a feeling we're going to see a like a start eighth finish 32nd <laughs> sort of thing on his stat sheet. Well, yeah, I mean, th this is must see TV. I mean, I called it yes. a crown jewel race. Would you agree? Like, what are your when you hear people throw the term crown jewel or the majors for NASCAR? What are your four? You know, and, and is the night race one of them? The night race is one of my favorite races uh, for sure. Um, crown jewel. So, how do you? What are your like? What are your crown jewels? Just so I could kind of like. Uh, yeah, you can riff off of that. My the, the four that I would lay out. If NASCAR were to go into some sort of like major deal, or, or I'm a big proponent of like the the sports books kind of like adopting that to make like you know 
better odds or whatever. Um, that's a conversation for a different day. But Daytona 500, Southern 500, Coke 600, Bristol Night Race. Like those to me are now, you know, the two being so close together, maybe that doesn't work out. But um, I think those four races are must-see TV and uh, are things that the sport could really like ham up and, and get new eyes on it. So um, would you replace any of those with with something else that's out there? Um, man, just thinking off the top of my head. Um, no, I don't think, no, the, the Bristol night race is one of my, like I said, the Bristol night race, one of my favorite races. Like I said, as a child, one of my earliest memories, Michael Waltrip throwing that helmet back out on the track. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, you just hope for one of those moments. Every time you go to Bristol, every time you go to the night race, it's just a crazy race like that. So, um, the only, yeah. The I can't see it as a crown jewel because they give it out at as both races. But one race I do also like is Martinsville and the grandfather clock. And it seems like guys want to win that thing. And so, like, true. I think that race is important to guys. But all you hear it all the time. All four of those races, the guys want to win. They care more about the Bristol night race. Coke 600, the greatest day in motorsports. The Daytona 500 speaks for itself. Yeah. So. Yeah, now it's a good call out with the grandfather clock. I mean, maybe that means a little bit more to the the drivers than really the fans. Um, it's a good call out as, as a potential, you know, uh, replacement. But um, Bristol Night Race, man, I think we're on the same page with that as well. Like it, um, it is must see TV for all of these reasons. There are so many storylines, and then if you're gambling on top of it, it makes it even better. So, um, just got a quick recap here. So the the picks. Um, so I have Austin Dillon. Tony has Chase Briscoe. Uh, you called out Kyle Larson. I've got Chase Elliott in that matchup. And then this last one, Joey Logano is uh, my driver. And then uh, Tony's going to end up with Ross Chastain. So I'll put the tail of the tape out there with the bad Photoshop and we'll go from there. Now, I never do this, but this is kind of transitioning into, you know, the, the end of our conversation here with uh, some of the other things that you do, you know, football. Um I never have done this. It's typically just to kind of keep track of like, Hey, how I'm doing against the guests in the matchups. But if you're up for it, I think we could throw a little bit of uh, side action on this by way of, I noticed through your content, you are a Vikings fan. Yes, sir. Um, they are coming to my back door oh, no. this Monday night. Don't tell me the Eagles. One of those. Oh, oh we've got season tickets, <laughs> six yards or uh, six rows up from the 15 yard line. At That's the lake. awesome. That's so awesome. I think if you're up for it, you know, it doesn't, I'm not talking a, a lot of money, but a little friendly gentleman's bet. Uh, if, if I were to win this matchup, this uh, face off, I'd like to see, you know, you throw a little bit money on the Eagles uh, this this Monday night and vice versa. What do you say? Okay. I can do that. Are we doing like, are we, because it, right now it looks like it opened up at like one and a half. So it's pretty even. Are pretty we just doing them, like yeah. a, are we just doing like a money line kind of, if it stays around like the one, one and a half, we can just, we can just do the money line. Just, yeah. Just do out outright. And, and I'm not talking, we're not yeah, talking yeah, yeah. a little money, just a little, you know, 10, 20, 50 bucks, yeah. whatever you feel like. Um, but just a little something extra, you know what I mean? Just happens yeah. to work out when I, I was like, Oh my God, like what are the chances, you know, agreed to come on. And then these two teams are playing each other Monday night. So that's going to be a great um, game. Um, so let's talk about, you know, a little football um, to kind of close us out here. And unless, did you have any other thoughts on Bristol? Any other like 
picks or drivers to be aware of? Um, the only other drivers besides Ryan Blaney that I kind of wanted to get pre-practice. Um, I said I was going to auto bet Tyler Reddick the first three rounds of the playoffs after his Daytona interview, where he said he loved the first three tracks of the first three rounds. So I just said, if he's above 10 to one, I'm auto betting it. He's at 12 to one. I think he'll qualify up front and that'll go under 10 to one. Um, and then also, uh, wild bill Byron, my guy, uh, 15 (laughs) to one. Um, he, I don't really have reasoning behind it. Besides I kind of watched the last race. He looks like he ran, he was running up front. Uh, I, I like, I like, I like bill. That's my guy. Finished third (laughs) year last year and he ran well at Dover this year. Again, I'm not throwing all my eggs in the Dover basket, but the whole Hendrick camp performed really well at Dover. Um, So what did you say he was 15 to one? I mean, that's that's 15 solid. So yeah, that, that group from, from 12 to 15, there's some drivers in there that would definitely Mm -hmm. have their odds shorter um, on race day. So yeah, good stuff. Um, So yeah, we'll transition just quickly thoughts on uh, the start of, you know, college football and, and the way, I mean, it was a crazy weekend. You were watching it on the live stream, everything going down. Um, I don't really know how to ask you a direct question. I mean, I love college football like mm-hmm. that. I, I'm a huge Eagles fan, obviously, Yep. but I get so amped up for the whole day on yes. Saturday and I'm like a kid in the candy store. So last week was unbelievable. I had so many like future bets that were like impacted. I had Alabama having a perfect season. That was like in question and still doesn't look good um, for the rest of the year. But uh, that was an unbelievable game. Like six ranked teams going down. Holy shit. Like, what do you make of this so far? Is this going to be like a wild season or are things going to start to even out here as conference play picks up? Yeah. I, yeah. Like you said, I love college football, especially since I've gotten into betting. I've really started to like, I get amped up for Saturday. Like Saturday <laughs> is a marathon of betting. If it, yes. if it's a bad day, it is Man, that's a bad day, but it, it feels like it, it feels like, exactly. You always have Hawaii <laughs> and it feels like it goes on forever. But when you have a good day, those college football, you, you take them when you can get them. And, and last week was, was an awesome week to just watch college football. I think we're getting into, you know, the first couple of weeks start out a little slow with matchups. You had Clemson playing who was, who was that? Carson Tech. And well, yeah, last week, I don't know who they played. Yeah. There, there's somebody playing incarnate world or whatever incarnate world or something. You know what I mean? Like I, that's a college basketball team I would bet on. So like, I didn't even know they had a football program. So, you know, we're getting into conference play. Like you said, that should provide some good games. And I'm, I'm excited to see some environments in conference play. So I will, you know, annoy anyone who uh, doesn't care about the teams that I follow. I, I just, you know, you're a, a capper here. I went to Penn State. Penn State's playing Auburn this weekend. I have. I'm. I'm a pretty reasonable Are Penn, you a big State, Penn fan. State fan. Oh uh, yeah, super. Like live and die by the, the game. Whiteout game is the Gophers this year. Yeah, I know that. Is that your college team? Uh, well, you know, I'm. I'm a Minnesota guy, so like, you know, the Gophers aren't ever anything. So like, yes, they are my Big Ten team. I have kind of uh, back in the Tebow days. I also picked up the Gators. Okay. Um, okay. But, you know, I hard rep the, the Gophers now for sure. 
Um, and I heard that they're the whiteout game and that is they are. one of my favorite college football games to just sit down and watch every year. So having it, having the Gophers be there to get smashed is going to be awesome. Well, I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to tweet at you on that game too. I mean, I'm a pretty reasonable Penn state football fan. I mean, I, I, I love every second of it, but I have, uh, you know, no expectation that they're going to be anything good. Um, so specifically, I mean, I have, hope for the future, this new quarterback who should be the starter if Franklin didn't have his head up his ass um, would be starting this week at Auburn, but we've got, you know, hundred year old Sean Clifford in there still. So um, they're playing Auburn this week though. And I think that that's got like national attention. They're on CBS. Um, so shoot me straight. Like they open as a three point favorite. I don't know how, um, but you know, am I delusional to think that they could be walking out of there undefeated still, or uh, you know, Auburn going to take it to him. Let me, let me take a look and see like what, so you said they opened up as three point favorites. Yeah. Okay. Which... They're in Auburn. Um, how do you feel about the game? How do you feel about it I... with, with your old quarterback now? Like, do you think, is it like a, uh, cause I'm, I, I haven't followed the subject closely. Is it like a hot, like if he plays bad, he'll get replaced, or is it like a, he's just going to get the full game no matter what? He he's the guy. Um, but this kid that came in, Drew Alar, is like the number one recruited quarterback. So they they and he looked unbelievable last week in the second half against uh, Ohio, which is you know garbage. Uh, but he was still playing their starters at that point against them rather. So Clifford's going to be the quarterback until he gets hurt. Um, or, you know, there's no way Franklin is going to play somebody else. I'm just, you know, maybe it's just like the Philadelphia sports fan in me or Penn State sports fan in me. But like, I just always assume that like the worst is going to happen. So I, I think that Penn State, you know, they won a gutsy game against Purdue to open the year. I hated that matchup or that night thursday night to start the season away it was just horrible it was a great game uh you know my hand was in my head like (laughs) 16 times uh surrender cobra position was out many times but then they pulled it out so i thought that was pretty helpful um to to get that going for the team i think i feel like they have a legit shot at auburn i did not think that was the case uh, to start the season, but now I'm starting to get a little hope and that's usually when it gets dashed away. So um, I just wanted to get an outsider. I'm spending far too much time picking on uh, Penn state, but um, yeah, I wanted to see if uh, we were in for a real shot this weekend or if Auburn's going to take it to him. You know what? At the minus three, I'll take the field goal. Give yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, you know, on the Big Ten train, like let's get a Big Ten W over the <laughs> Seriously, SEC. Seriously, Let's get one for the I Big know. Ten. They're so damn, uh, so damn good. Um, yeah. So college football this season, I think we're in for it. And and I don't know when they officially agreed to expand the playoff, but when that happens, I know that it's going to happen. I just don't know if it's next year or twenty twenty six. It was like two yeah, separated so, years. A strange announcement. Yeah. Uh, but when that happens, my God. Like it's gonna be by, awesome. by that time, locks don't lie. Your shit's going to be like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. You're not going to be able to stop streaming um, <laughs> for that whole time. So uh, that, that's, that's going to be a hell of a time. And then, you know, this weekend in NFL, um, how are you feeling about the the Vikings? Cause they kind of surprised me. I'm, I'm a Kirk cousin, uh, you know, memer. I like to make fun okay. of him. Okay. Um, so are you feeling pretty confident or do you think that was just a, a rough game 
by the it was the Packers, right? That they played? yes, yep, Packers, the Packers just basically yep. left like seven men on defense and let they Justin looked, Jefferson run loose. Yeah, they looked they looked like trash, but they were missing <laughs> a lot of key starters, two starting linemen, uh, Alan Lazard, which is the only wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers knows how to play with currently. So, <laughs> and it showed. I mean, they only scored seven points against a, a Vikings team who who picked up an offensive specialist as their head coach. I was, I was, uh, you know. Zimmer got me. I was a Zimmer guy. I love Zimmer, but he really uh, collapsed over the last couple of years to to have my me being a Zimmer guy take does not look good anymore. But um, I was a big believer in in this new head coach. Um, King Kevin is what I call him is what me and my friends call him. He's King Kevin to us. Um, And we I just we felt in Minnesota that we have had a very talented offense and just haven't been able to kind of like unleash it, especially since Justin Jefferson has actually worked out in that Stefan Diggs trade. I will always miss him and I will always love him, but Justin Jefferson, definitely like I'll take that 10 out of 10 days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it was great to just see just, I mean, he, it wasn't like he was making tremendous catches. He was just wide open, making yeah. a catch, turning around. There wasn't anybody in the camera frame within 20 yards. Like it was wild crazy to watch that so if that is the rams scheme coming over to kirk cousins that's going to be awesome uh you know he's probably going to crumble in prime time probably you know yeah yeah i am a kirk cousins memer like yourself but i'm also like a uh a, a truther and see that you know he also is like a a decent quarterback but he definitely needs the team around him and i as a homer kind of think that he has like a team around him now to like he's got the weapons he's got the the offensive coach who believes in him so we'll see uh what happens i'm not uh, unrealistic with my thoughts but uh you know i i this vikings eagles game is going to be awesome on monday it is going to be awesome because i think both teams like are you know coming off that week one win I'm not sure if what the expectations were in Minnesota for that team, but I know that a lot of people here thought the Eagles should be at least five and zero. Looking at the schedule, looking over this Monday night football game, I think the thought was like, you know, home opener, Monday night football. They're going to trounce the Lions and just come in crazy. And that Lions game shook up a lot of people uh, in this area. So um, that that game is going to be really fun to watch. Having Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Monday night football. It's awesome. Uh, it, it it legitimizes awesome. Monday Night Football again. Like it's I was like, awesome. this is a big game. Like, yep. And and hate him or love him, right? Like I know people hate Joe Buck, mm-hmm. and I probably used to at some point. But like, I did, I did. But when you I hear love them together, yeah. When you hear them, you're like, this is a game that matters. So I had that thought so pumped. many times yesterday. It was it was like finally, and Monday Night Football has real announcers, and you can actually watch it. Like, yeah. It so was true. it was finally a point where I had to like put on the real broadcast and I'm like, I'll just catch the best of of the Peyton and Eli on YouTube because <laughs> I want to, you know, I want Joe and Tro- I want Joe and Troy. <laughs> well, yeah. So I guess uh, we'll, we'll have the full tank face off results. And then, you know, one of us will have to uh, throw some money down on the, the Monday Night Football. That'll be uh, just like what a coincidence that it worked out that way. That's why I had to throw see if you were game um, yeah. for that. So very cool. So. Um, any other thing that you wanted to discuss around football or any other thing that, um, you cover? I got two quick bets. If you want them, uh, one for college football, one for NFL. Um, I like, I like the Wisconsin, New Mexico state under, give me the under 42 and a half. Neither of those people are going to score. I mean, (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, New you Mexico. don't think Wisconsin's going to come out like you know Wisconsin, guns blazing? I mean, Wisconsin—they're not going to—they're not going to score forty-two, and New Mexico <laughs> is not going to score ten. So I love like, it. Okay, I could see that. I like I like the Wisconsin New Mexico State under, and then um, I've I've said it multiple times. I'm hammering rah rah Mike Tomlin as an underdog for the rest of my life. He the the trends back him up. It's it's incredible. Um, I have a few here. He's 46, 23 and two against the spread as an underdog. Um, he's 50, he's 63, 55 and three at home against the spread and at home as an underdog, he's 14, three and two, uh, 13 and six straight up on the money line, 63% ROI. So anytime you see Mike Tomlin with a plus number, especially at home, I don't care who the quarterback is. The boys are coming out to play. (laughs) (laughs) Those are unbelievable numbers that tells me that that is a head coach who knows yes what's going on with the gambling side of things and he's got locker room material up <laughs> yes who are they playing i didn't even who are they playing uh, this week? the patriots oh and they stink and yes. you're saying the patriots are favored against the they, steelers they they opened at two and a half and now it's plus one so it's kind of like a pick them um, wow but yeah i did i got pittsburgh at plus 102 barely plus money but uh yeah, if I could have, if I could have at my book opened at two and a half, that would have been, that would have been awesome. But well, that's good information. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up. So, great. I love that. I will be on that as well. It kind of pains me a little bit to take the Steelers, but um, yeah. you know, money over everything, right? So, uh, awesome. Very cool. So once again, um, where can people find everything that you're doing on a weekly basis? Um, because it is a lot and, uh, we want people to be yeah. able to find you. Yeah. Um, you know, my most active and my most important is, uh, Twitter and YouTube. Definitely the YouTube is where I'm trying to gain the most subs. Um, it's locks. Don't lie on there. Um, and then the YouTube is at locks. Do not lie. Uh, locks don't lie got taken somehow or got banned or something. So, um, got to, got, had to have locks do not lie, but those, those are the two places where you can really find me on uh, Twitter. I release 15 minutes before kickoff. My, my finals, what I call them lock list with my, with my bets. Um, and so that usually has the Xfinity races in them and truck races or whatever. So yeah, catch them out, catch me on Twitter, catch me on YouTube. And, uh, I really appreciate the invite and having me on this week. Absolutely. This was awesome. I'm really glad you can make the time. You know, I, I hit you up kind of last minute here, but uh, you pulled through for me. So I really appreciate that. And a uh, really fun conversation. So um, yeah, good luck this week at Bristol, you know, starting with the trucks on Thursday night, Yes, sir. all the way through to Monday night football. So it'll be a, a great week of sports. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to our guest, Tony from Locks Don't Lie, joining us. What a great conversation we had with him and uh, really appreciate his time. So go out, place those bets. Give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Full Tank Phil. Good luck this week at the Crown Jewel Bristol Night Race. And hopefully we come out victorious heading into the round of 12 next week at Texas. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Hell no place to go.